you, church? Do you see it now? Do you see the vast army now? We're in a series called Dry Bones, and we're talking about the prophet Ezekiel and how the prophet Ezekiel is taken by God to a valley, and he stands in the middle of the valley, and standing in the middle of the valley, he sees all these dry bones of these dead these bones are on the floor, and God says, prophesy over the bones, and he prophesies over the bones, and we're going to wrap up and close that series today, because the series ends where the prophet is standing there, and he cries out over the bones, he walks over them, God sometimes puts us in dry places and in difficult times with purposes, but here's what I want you to understand, if I teach the series and you don't know why God puts you there, then the whole series is in vain. If you leave today and I taught you the whole month or you heard the series or you went online, to those online listening right now, you could go back and hear the previous series, but previous sermons, but if you don't catch on to what God's purpose is while you're in, this, in the valley, you miss the whole thing. By now, you should have seen it. You should have seen what, Pastor? By now, you should have seen, by this morning, you should have seen what I'm trying to get you to see. Now, let's just say you don't get it. I'm going to be very brief today. I'm going to try to teach you what you should be seeing that you have not seen yet. I'm going to try to get you to understand something that I tried to get you to understand when I read that first verse, and I asked you, did you see it? Then I brought my daughter up, and I got her to sing it, and then I asked you, did you see it? And then if you have not seen it yet, and you're still lost in the process let me give you an illustration once again but before i give you an illustration hear the bible verse one more time ezekiel chapter 37 verse 10 to wrap up the series so i prophesied as he commanded me and i and breath entered me he did what god told him to do and the spirit the breath came upon him now he was in obedience and full of the presence of the spirit and the bible says they came to life and stood up on their feet a vast army when the process was complete a vast army had arised i'm going to repeat that when the process is complete a vast army the word that's used in hebrew for army means strength a vast strength it's like a whirlwind something turned and turned and came on a heart was beating a soul was breathing but something was missing i found my life when i laid it down again the army had risen they had breathed they were there their heart was pounding a soul was breathing the heart was beating but something was missing in the process of all the valley of dry bones now, some of you are saying, Pastor, you're speaking prophetically, or you're speaking in prophecy, or you're speaking in poetry, and I have no idea or parables what you're saying. But let me illustrate to you another way. Mark chapter 8, verse 22. Jesus feeds 4,000 people. He comes out, and he starts feeding, feeding, feeding. A miracle occurs. All the disciples are looking at him, and the miracle's there. And when you see a miracle, think about it. If somebody in a wheelchair were walking right now, and he stood, he, they brought him to the front, and I laid hands upon him, and the person in the wheelchair got up out of the seat, and he started walking miraculously. Some of you would doubt if it was planned, and some some of you would actually believe the miracle, but here's what would happen to everybody. Everybody would be in awe inside the room. Everybody in the room would be like, oh, look at what happened. So Jesus feeds 4,000 people. The miracle occurs, and when the miracle occurs, the Pharisees pop up. Whenever God is trying to move in your life, there will be Pharisees that show up into your life. Can I get an amen? 
Whenever God is trying to work a miracle in your life, I promise you, Pharisees will show up. So the Pharisees showed up, and the bad experience showed up, and when the Pharisees showed up, I'm almost finishing. Pastor, you're kidding me. Yeah, I'm almost finishing. When the Pharisees showed up, they showed up in the miracle, and they start questioning the people that are there about what they are seeing. So now what happens is that they, they, they do not see Jesus as a miracle maker because somebody is trying to go into their brain and make them think less of their God. So Jesus does the miracles and the Pharisees come and they start talking about to the crowd and they start talking to the disciples of, well, well who is this guy? Why is he doing miracles? And then what Jesus says, he turns to his disciples and he tells his disciples, you know what, let's just get out of here. Let's go. Let's go to the other side. I need to work with you guys. Somebody pay attention because I'm, I'm almost there. I'm almost you, you could hide, but you, you could, but I'm going to get you today. I'm going to get you before the sermon's over. I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. I promise you I'm coming for you. Watch, I'm coming for you. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get you. I'm going to pull you out of that seat before the service is over. Oh, Jesus. You get, so if you're visiting today and you're freaking out, it's all right. Just come back next week. Listen, listen, listen. He's got the miracle done, and the Pharisees come to speak words of doubt into their mind. And he says to them, guys these pharisees are like leaven they're like bacon powder a little tiny bit of them will spread all over your mind and you will not see what you need to see when he comes to the other side with disciples we're in mark chapter 8 verse 22 they came to bethsaida and some people brought a blind man in front of the disciples in the crowd right after the miracle right after the Pharisees had questioned, right after they were not seeing clearly, they bring a blind man and beg Jesus to, ch to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand. It's just, it, 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 it's, it's, it's incredible to think that he grabs the blind man by the hand. Why does he grab the blind man by the hand? Because the blind man can no longer see, and because he cannot see, Jesus is using this man for those that could see but were not seeing. So he holds on to his hand, and the Bible says he led him outside the village. Pastor, why did he lead him outside the village? Because he didn't want anybody to see? No, because where he had done the miracle and the people had seen his power, the same people that had seen his power were now doubting because of what the Pharisees were saying. Life and life and life will hit you in such a way that your faith and your belief in God and your walk with God will always wear the way. You could be an elder in this room. You could be a pastor in this room. You could be a dad or mom. I don't care how much Bible you know or how long you've been in church, people. I will tell you that this society and this world will attack your faith and wither your walk with God in a way you will never imagine. And sometimes you need to be pulled out of the village because the village is affecting you you need to walk out so jesus grabs the blind man by the hand and pulls him out some of you have not caught me but about 70 percent of you are in the spiritual listening to me now he walks with them out and he takes the blind man it's not a physical thing guys he is taking him by the hand jesus every now and then will grab you by the hand and pull you out of the village because he knows that you are becoming blind now he's not really leading the blind man pastor what are you talking about he's not really 
leading the blind man. See, the blind man, he could have healed in the village. He's Jesus. He had done it before. Right there in the village, he could have healed that man, but that's not what he did. He grabbed the blind man and he pulled them out. What he's really checking for is the people that could see that had become blind because of the Pharisees. He's walking the blind man to see who of the those that are seeing will be able to follow. He's really not leading the blind man. What he's really doing is that he's leading those that have become blind in the village. So he leads them out, and when he leads them out by his hand, he puts them outside, and he's kind of furious. Pastor, what do you mean, Jesus? Jesus is furious because Jesus is saying, what do I got to do? What do I have to do for you to not be blind? What do I have to do for you to see? I just fed 4,000 people and you still don't see it. The heart's breathing. The, the heart's pounding. The air is breathing. But there's something missing. So he leads them outside and he's saying, what else do I have to do? So he grabbed this blind man as an illustration. And this is what he does. When he had spit in the man's eyes and put his hands on him jesus asked do you see anything watch three things to learn here number one he spits in the man's eyes he goes up to the man the blind guy in front of those that had followed and he goes he spits in the mind blind mind now now i don't know if you understand this but spitting of the eyes is actually the valley the spitting of the eyes is the valley Catch on. All right. Time out. I'm going to teach. Okay. I've been teaching about how we live seasons of our lives and we make it to the top and then we walk down into the valley. And the reason you walk into the valley is because right in the middle, there's a really difficult situation. It could be depression. It could be argument. It could be marriage problems. It could be finance. It could be whatever. And then you come out on the other side to a higher mountain. But what I'm saying now is that inside the valley, the valley won't always look like a valley. Sometimes it looks like spit in your eyes. Okay. I know some of you are saying, Pastor lost it today. Yes, my health is off today. I'm a little off, but, but I still got a little bit left in the spirit. Watch. He spit in the man's eyes. <laughs> Come on, people. Right now, just think about it for a second. Stop being religious. Stop playing church. If right now I was to bring Sheldon up here, and don't come because I, I might have to illustrate it. And, and Sheldon stood in front of me, and I looked at Sheldon. And I said, Sheldon, we're going to do a miracle. And I, went, <gasps> and I spit in his eyes. Now, this is Jesus, and he could heal any way he wanted, man. Let's be real. Jesus could have snapped his fingers. He could have done it. He could have snapped his fingers. Jesus could have applauded. But Jesus uses a mechanism that nobody will understand that will seem irrational and that won't make sense. Similar to the valley that he pushes us through sometimes. The valley was not the blindness because blindness was permanent. The valley is the spitting because it's something not understandable that is seasonal. Pastor, what are you saying? The valley you go through is not permanent. The valley you walk through is a seasonal thing. When God 
puts you in the valley, you need to understand that whatever, and I'm speaking to somebody, whatever tough situation you're going through, man, if it's financial, if it's spiritual, if it's emotional, whatever tough situation you're going through, what I want you to understand is that right now, your heart may not see the future. You, 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 what fortune lies beyond the stars, you may not know. Those dazzling heights too vast to climb, you may not know. What treasure waits within your scars, you may not know. This gift of freedom, gold can't buy. I brought the world and sold my heart. You traded heaven to have me again. My heart's beating, my soul's breathing. Some of you are like, did he just read? Pastor never reads a sermon. I'm not reading the sermon. I'm reading the song. The song that was sung. He spits in the man's eyes. And if you're the blind guy and Jesus is spitting in your eye, are you going to be so religious? You're going to be like, Jesus spat on me. Oh, how good. Thank you, Jesus. Can you spit a clammy now? And can you give me another one, Jesus? Come on. When God is at work, sometimes you're like, what are you doing, God? Like, what, are, what are you doing, God? Why? God, why is my daughter? God, why is my son? God, what am I going to do? God, why do I feel this way all the time? God, Why? We don't understand what he's always doing. And he puts us through valleys and tough situations, and we ask ourselves, why, God? Why do you? Last night I was in a situation like that. I was like, why, God? I was preaching somewhere, and I said, God, why? God puts you in situations that you question why he's doing what he's doing, but you still know it's God. You still know it's him. So he puts you in the valley and you're standing there and you're saying, God, why am I here right now? Man spits in his eyes. The Bible says that the second thing that happened was that he put hands on him. Why did he put hands on him? For the same reason I'm preaching dry bone valley. He puts hands on him. What does, he put that, what does that mean, Pastor? I've been telling you all month. That he puts hands on you because even when it doesn't make sense, God is still there. You may not see him in front of you. You may be like, where is he? He's still there. Believe me. Come on. Here's a message on behalf of God for somebody. If God was not there, it would be much worse than you think it is. It would have been really bad. You think you got it bad? I'm sorry, you picked the wrong pastor in the wrong church. You don't have it bad. Stop whining and crying. Somebody's got it worse than you. God has not left you in this situation. Man has abandoned you. They've broken your heart. They've hurt you. You've been sad. You've cried. You've been afflicted. But, man, but God has not left you. God is still there. He, he spits on the man's eyes, which is humiliating, and everybody's looking, and it makes no sense. And why did he put me in this valley? But God is saying, dude, I'm still here. I got you. You know, you know how I see it? This is just me, not a theological basis. I think he spit on him 
That's your life. Let me wash it away now. Let me take it off of you. And he's cleaning it. And he asks the man, do you see anything? And I'm asking, do you see anything yet? Pastor, we still don't get it. Do you see it? Do you see what God's trying to tell you this morning? If you don't, that's okay. I'm not expecting everybody to see it yet. By the time I'm done, I'm going to get you in your seat. But, 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 but do you see it? Do you see why God has you here this morning? Do you understand it? Or do you not see it? He says, do you see anything? Verse 24. He looked up and said, I see, I see. There's progress. The guy was blind. I see, I see people, but they look like trees walking around. Now, he's seeing, but he doesn't quite see what he, he's seeing, but he doesn't quite see what he's supposed to see. His heart's beating, my soul's breathing, I see an army, I see something, but they look like trees. I don't know quite why God has me here, Pastor. I don't know why God has me in this season of my life. I don't know why I had to go through depression. I don't know why I had to go through somebody leaving me. I don't know why I have to go through so much anger. Pastor, I don't know why I'm going through this spiritual season where I feel I don't belong anywhere. Pastor, I don't know why I'm going through this season with my children, with my daughter, with my husband. I don't know why I feel so sad at home. Pastor, I don't know why I'm going. I see something, but they look like people, but they're trees. They're, I don't know if they're trees. You know, it's kind of difficult when you can't difference between a tree and a person. You know, if you're standing there and you could see, but you don't see the difference between a tree and a person, your sight is pretty messed up. However, there was something missing. You see, in the Valley of Dry Bones, I'm wrapping it up. In the Valley of Dry Bones, there's bones on the floor, and the bones connected, and joints came on, and skin came on, and the body grew, and God was doing a miracle. But even though, and I said this last week for those that weren't here, even though the bodies were there, Have you ever been with somebody that's in the room with you, but even though they're in the room with you, it's like if they weren't in the room with you? Have you ever lived that experience? Hey, can I be real? Have you ever been with somebody, and even though you're in the room and the people are there, you feel like you're alone? Have you ever made it home in your car, and you make it to your family, and you walk in, but even when you walk in, it's like nobody sees you. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been in church and you sit in church and it seems like, have you ever been in a season where you feel, is, there have been seasons in my life that I've been alive, but I felt dead inside. As a preacher, as a pastor. There was a season in my life where I felt before Christ that I was dying. And in Christ, I found hope. And I thought I'd never feel lost again. I thought I'd never feel lost again. But that didn't happen, guys. After being a Christian and having the presence of the Holy Spirit inside of me, 
there have been seasons in my life that I felt I was dying. There have been seasons in my life that I, I've asked myself, am I a good father? Am I a good husband? Am I a good son? There have been seasons in my life that I asked God, am I everything that my boys need? And I try really hard. And I got to admit to you, no matter how hard I try to all the parents out there, I try really hard and I even sometimes feel I fail them and I'm not what they need. So I look at Josh and I look at Chris and I say, I'm not this dad they need. And I ask God for wisdom. You know, you think when they're little kids, to those that have little kids, and sometimes I miss you in my speaking because I'm out of the season of little kids. But when they're, yesterday I walked into Karen's house. She's, it's Pooja and Karen. They've been with me for years and she was my um, assistant for many years. And I walked into her house and she has two boys. And then Derek, the older boy, um, Pooja, how old is Derek? Ten. And Max? How? Four. And Derek was leaning like this in front of the bed watching TV. It was like a video tutorial of a video game. And he's like this watching it. He's 10. And the kid's really good in English. So the kid's understanding everything. Little Max, little skinny Max is four. And he's on his bed right behind his big brother like this watching TV. And he's four. And I look at Max. I look at Derek. I said, what you doing? He said, I'm watching the tutorial. See how I could go over that. It teaches you how to beat the next phase in this game. And I say, hey, Max, what are you doing? He goes, watching TV. Now, I knew Max had no idea what he was doing. He had no idea. But when I saw little skinny Max and little skinny Derek, all I could think of was Josue and Chris. I could see my, now they're both married and all grown up and they're sitting here in the front row, but it, it was, a, it was a, a moment of flashback. You know, I even told Derek, man, I wish my boys were this small so I could squeeze him and hug him. And because I couldn't, I freaked out these two little kids because I squeezed them and I hugged them. I scared this kid. I even grabbed Max and I went, oh, Max, Max. And I squeezed his bones like that. I squeezed them. And it just, and I think, God, if, you, if I could go back and fix so many times I messed up as a parent or I messed up and they're all grown up. But here's, 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 a, here's a spoiler alert for every parent who has small kids. For every parent who has small kids. When they grow up, it doesn't change. You, you, you still see the skinny little bones. Even if they become fat, you still see skinny little bones. I'm walking down the hallway and I'm rushing over to service and Josue just, I see people going like this, stretching out arms. And I thought they were going to hug me. And I went like that. They went and they hugged Josue that was right behind me. And he's, I'm rushing to the service and he zooms right by me, rushing me. And it was like, there he goes. All grown up. And then I look at Sarah and I look at Daniela. Pastor, how did we get to your family from the Valley of Dry Bones? There's been so many times in my life that I've been a failure as a father. And I've been a failure as a husband. And I've been a failure as a pastor. There are so many times in my life that life has been bigger than me. And that I fell short. 
there are so many places they should have been and I should have taken them. I should have been with Chris in so many seasons of his life and I wasn't there. I should have been with Sarah when, when she needed me the most. And she's daddy's girl and she knows that. And she's sitting here and to you guys, it was just another little girl singing. To me, it was much more than that. To you, it was a girl just singing and you could barely understand the lyrics. To me, it was so much more than that. Because when I look at Daniela and I look at Sarah and Daniela comes in the morning and hugs me and gives me a kiss, I promise I'm going to tie this in. And when she comes and gives me a kiss and I hug her, here's all I could think about is God, I wish I could be there when something goes wrong. When that little child disappeared a couple of months ago in our community and I wanted to be there. I even went berserkle one day when my wife didn't pick up my daughter and I wanted to be there and, and, and I wanted to make sure they were okay. And in my daughter's play, I want to be there, but I have to be the pastor too. And I needed to travel, but I need to be home and I need to instill them. And I need to, and pastor, where are you going at? As a dad, I go through a valley of dry bones because I just don't feel I could hack it. Now, I don't know if you're there at work. I don't know if you're there spiritually. I don't know if you're there emotionally. I don't know if you're there in ministry. I don't know as a wife, as a husband. Maybe you feel alone. Maybe somebody left you. Maybe somebody abandoned you and hurt you. I don't know what it is, but I will tell you this. Everybody in this room will go through the valley of dry bones. And when you go there, you need to know one important detail. You are either blind and do not see anything. Number two, you see trees, people surrounding you, but there's death all around. Or number three, once more. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you because you're a God of chances. Even when we fail. Once more. Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. When he couldn't see, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. When he felt there was no more, where he felt he failed as a dad or as a husband or as a preacher or as a mom, or when he felt that he failed at work or when he felt that he was without money, when he was real with himself, when he felt that he wanted to see and he was better than yesterday, he wasn't the man before conversion, he was the man after conversion. Once more, even after saved, even after redeemed, even after washed by the blood of Jesus, once once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were open and restored, and he could see everything clearly. Do you see it now? Do you see it now? Jesus sent him home <laughs> saying, Hey, don't even, verse 26, hey, don't even go into the village. Go home. The valley. I can't see. Will I get out of here? 
once more he visits him touches him brings clarity and says don't go to the village go forward here's my ending statement ending statement so i prophesied as he commanded me and breathed and breath entered them they came to life and stood up on their feet they were dead but once more jesus visited them and there was a vast army hebrew word shakul there was string it's like a whirlwind in them but they could not see it the first time they could not see it just because you convert to jesus christ doesn't mean you got clarity in all your vision he sometimes needs to come a second time to you to give you clarity on your ministry to give you clarity on your life to give you clarity on your spiritual walk but when he comes a second time he saw a vast army rising up the people of god the army of god was rising up and saying we will be blind no more we will be blind no more we will be blind no more what fortune lies beyond the stars for this blind man those dazzling heights too vast to climb the song says goals that are bigger than me i got so high to fall so far how can i be in this valley but i ha- i found heaven as love swept low it was jesus putting his hands on me my heart beating my soul breathing i found my life when i laid it down i need a bass player i need a first guitar i heart beating my soul breathing i found my life when i laid it down i need a drum because i know what it was needed for me to come out of the valley upward falling spirit of god soaring i touched the skies when my knees hit the ground what treasure waits within your scars this gift of freedom gold can't buy i brought the world and sold my heart you traded heaven to have me again god my heart beating my soul breathing i found my life when i laid it down upward falling spirit soaring i touched the sky when my knees hit the ground and daddy could fail but when daddy gets his daughter to be a vast army and worship the lord daddy has strength where he never found it before daddy is raising an army of men of women of god to serve god i want my dry bones to live i want my family to live the only reason god took you there was to pull you out of there the only reason you're in the valley is because your miracles on its way the only reason you went what you went through is because waiting god's waiting for you to you lay it down come on 
Move here, Sarah. Ven acá. Ven acá. Ven acá. Ven acá. Ven acá.